Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high-interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're discussing why everything costs more than you think. best friends. And a lot of our new listeners may have heard that, but they don't know how uh, we, we got to be friends. How deep this friendship runs. <laughs> do, you, do you remember when we first met? Honestly, dude, <laughs> I don't. It, was, it made that much of an impression on you. Let's, yes. If you remember our origin story, please so do, honestly, do share. Yeah. Honestly, I don't remember when we actually met. The first memory, though, that I do have is some friends of ours, mutual friends, had invited uh, Kate and I over to play some board games. And you and Emily were also there. And I think we may have been playing some original uh, Settlers of Catan. Oh, yeah. That's, That's like the... Doesn't that sound about right? It's like the gateway drug for nerdy board games. Yeah. So I think this is about eight years ago. And yeah, that's when we that's when we first started hanging out. I don't have anything specific about that night. I'm sure I'd whooped your tail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> some Settlers, but... Unlikely. 
that is funny that it started out with us playing board games because we're both super into nerdy board games. We did a whole episode on it back in the day and we made recommendations kind of for some of our favorites. But yeah, dude, I, I think it's not a knock on you because obviously we're best friends, uh, but I barely remember like the birth of my first daughter now. I just feel like <laughs> so many, five years have passed and that part of my memory is just almost gone. I feel like the most cemented memories I have of our friendship going back were two times that we traveled together as couples. And the first one was we left on Halloween like six years ago and we went to Ireland together as a family. And I think we mentioned that on the podcast at one, one point. Oh, yeah. And then a trip that we had to the Keys, which we kind of piggybacked on you having a photo shoot, a wedding that you had to shoot down there. And we kind of stayed together. And that trip to the Keys when we had our, our uh, oldest daughters were uh, only just a few months old. Mm-hmm. I just distinctly remember that trip too. Those are kind of the, the memories that really are cemented from our early friendship days. So basically, you only remember things where there's pictures associated with it that you can go back and see. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting you mentioned uh, the, that sort of Keys, the Florida Keys work photography trip. Because I remember actually before even Ireland was one time when Kate and I did some photography work for a restaurant. And one of the uh, things that we negotiated with them was that we got a sweet fats gift certificate. That's right. Yeah. They, they paid us in food. And this place is really good. This is a really great restaurant here in Atlanta. And I'll, that was super early on in our friendship. Very, very early on. Yeah. You invited us to this fancy dinner. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know him like that. But uh, <laughs> well, the reason being, because so yeah, we got this huge gift certificate and Kate and I looked at each other and we thought, oh, we can't, this is a lot of money. And it'd be more fun if we went with some friends. So we thought of you guys. And what I really remember, though, is that we hadn't gone to a lot of nice restaurants up at that point in our lives. We <laughs> totally novices at yeah. nice restaurants. And I'm pretty sure you had on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but we walked in and... It's probably like a band t-shirt or something. We like were, that. Uh, I think we were all a little under underdressed. A backwards hat. <laughs> yes. But we yeah enjoyed a really nice dinner. I do remember that. I remember getting some awesome steak. And maybe that was really what cemented it for us, right? Yeah. Bonding over meat. Yeah. Why not? Uh, sorry to all you vegetarians out there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so traveling together as friends and, and a great meal sometimes and, and then nerdy board games, man. I feel like that kind of encompasses some of the things that we enjoy the most and uh, and still enjoy kind of doing together when whenever we can. Let's do it some more. So that's uh, for all you new listeners. That's kind of how Matt and I became best friends. And then like you'll find out as you continue listening to the show, we talk about the things on this show that we care about, that we already enjoy discussing. And and we started this podcast because we love craft beer and we love talking about money things that matter to us. And so, yeah, this podcast is really just kind of an excuse for, for Matt and I to do what we would be doing anyway. And we're having a blast doing it. Like drinking beer and talking about it too, right? Yeah. And today we are drinking a beer called Pretty Willie's Imperial Stout by Against the Grain Brewery. This is a beer that my real estate agent gave to me over a year ago when I closed on a house. And this in particular is a beer that you're supposed to let rest and evolve. And so we're going to kind of see how it's drinking. Well, dude, thanks so much for uh, sharing this one with me. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. All right, Matt, give me one word that describes how you feel about this beer after just one sip. Only one word? I feel like this is gonna be harder for you than me because I'm verbose. Yeah, <laughs> Joel tends to be the one that talks a little bit more on the show, which is totally fine. If I had my own podcast by myself, it might only be five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but if it was just you talking, who knows how long you'd go? That's true. Okay, but back to you. Uh, so one word. Okay, this is gonna be weird, but I'm gonna say jacket. 
All right, that's weird. <laughs> but I think we've already mentioned jackets. I think we mentioned on the show before that you have some odd taste buds and some uh, odd sensory abilities. You're like the beer sommelier of this podcast. You bring that to the table. I have a much less developed palate. So my word, my one word for this beer for right now is going to be roasty. Nice. See, roasty, that's I think everyone's going to understand that jacket. Yep. I think what happens is I overthink stuff and now I'm just going to have to actually explain myself. But we'll say that for the end of the show. Oh, and by the way, Matt, since we're drinking a big barrel-aged Imperial Stout, and this is one that's meant to be kind of aged for a while in a cellar, and then you're supposed to drink it. Uh, there was an article I read about barrel-aged stouts and kind of the cult behind barrel-aged stouts right now. I find it fascinating that they've kind of become this thing that people hunt for and spend lots of money on stouts like these. One of the things I thought that was cool about that article, they were talking about the costs associated with some of these beers where they are aged and they take special bourbon barrels uh, and they actually take more material, like more ingredients to actually make the beer. And more warehouse space oftentimes because you're talking barrels. They mentioned in particular the Bourbon County series mm -hmm. by Goose Island. They have multiple people working year round just to develop the and just maintaining that batch yeah, yeah. just to develop crazy? those bourbon county beers yeah and it's really expensive to create which leads to part of the reason these beers can cost so much yeah and not just double the cost but sometimes like quadruple the cost yeah. of, a, of a typical beer like this that you can pick up at your local grocery store you get the special bourbon barrel aged version of it or any kind of barrel aged typically and it's going to be a lot more because yeah like you said it's going to take a lot more time so a lot more manpower but then also, too, the ingredients that go into it can be uh, twice as much from a quantity standpoint. Yeah. So if you're at your local grocery store or bottle shop and you see a barrel aged out on the shelf and you look at the price tag and you think it's ridiculous, well, there's a lot that goes into that. And not all of them are created equal. Some of them are better than others. And we would recommend kind of researching the, these beers before you spend 25 bucks on a bottle or 15 bucks even on a bottle. And Untapped is a great resource to kind of look up what beer lovers think about the beer. But there is a reason behind the price tag. Yeah. And so we want, want to kind of share that. And, and Matt and I've talked about why we drink craft beer on the show every week. It's important to us. It's something that we care about. And we also want to encourage people to live a life that reflects their values. And this is something that we value. This is something that we place a high priority on, good beer. And we're willing to spend the money for really good beer um, and cut back in other areas, right? In order to make that happen. Yeah, man, that's right. Oh, before we move on, one, one other thing I just thought of. We recently did an episode on hedonic adaptation, yeah. right? Where you kind of get used to something, whether it be because it's really good and you kind of get used to that really good feeling and it kind of becomes your new normal or how you can also get used to something that's kind of bad or a negative and you kind of get used to that. That becomes your new normal. Kate and I, we've been out of our kitchen, <laughs> right? Because we've been renovating our house. We've been out of our kitchen for almost two months now. And honestly, I don't feel like much has changed for us. Like we've kind of gotten used to the fact that all of our stuff is crammed into our dining room. But I don't know, it just, it just kind of struck me as interesting because I haven't been focusing on how terrible it's been. You just kind of roll with it and move on with life and it becomes your new normal. I'm sure the first two you, to three days were kind of shocking. A little more painful. Yeah. yeah. But what I'm looking forward to is looking ahead and knowing that eventually we'll be able to move back into our normal full space in our house. And certainly that's going to be great. But I'm kind of worried too, because on the other end of that, I think... Well, it's going to be really nice, but how quickly is it going to be before I get used to it? You know, like it, it, it took me zero time almost to get used to this sort of negative aspect of our lives, like f being crammed into this less than ideal dining room. And then it's not going to take you too much time to become used to being a fancy pants. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And man, I just don't want to become super fancy pants. That's not who I want to be. 
So we will get to why Matt's one word for this beer was oh, yeah. jacket. <laughs> uh, later, jacket. <laughs> later on. But first, let's get to the topic at hand. Everything costs more than you think. And what Matt and I wanted to talk about on the show today is considering secondary costs. Anytime you make a purchase, the price tag that you're paying upfront on whatever it is, is not the only cost involved in making a purchase. And we wanted to talk about the other costs involved, uh, we're calling secondary costs. And those are additional costs that you will or might end up paying on a purchase that fall outside of that original purchase amount. And we think it's really, really important to consider those things because it can be easy when you're budgeting or when you're considering making a purchase or adding something into your life to only consider that upfront price tag and not think about all those other dominoes that fall when it comes to the price you're paying. And so Matt, this podcast is going to be dedicated to those other dominoes that fall, how that impacts like your wallet and your life. That's right. Yeah. Folks tend to not consider the sort of nickel and diming effect that happens after you make a purchase, whether it's a quality purchase or a cheap purchase. It doesn't really matter what we're talking about, like those expenses that, like you said, you may or may not pay. And let's start with the ones that you will pay. Yeah. So we kind of divided this up into two different kinds of secondary costs. One is a hard secondary cost and the other is a soft or lifestyle secondary cost. And so we'll kind of just quickly run through the definition and describe what's different about each. That's right, man. So hard secondary costs are what we're considering to be costs that you have to pay because it's either the law, right? So sales tax, like you have to pay sales tax, or these might be costs that you have to pay because you signed an agreement where you promise that you will. And these can be monthly fees or an HOA, say in a condo that you live in, or these are costs because the item that you've purchased just requires it. You know, it's sort of basic maintenance. And I'm not talking about fancy high-end maintenance or anything that kind of goes above and beyond maintaining that item and, and allowing it to you know work and function like you want it to. In these cases, though, you don't have a choice. And these are things that you will have to pay. Yeah. So those hard costs, right? They are there for a lot of purchases. And we'll kind of go into some examples later on in the show too. But they're there no matter what. And there's no getting around them. And they're also kind of easily identifiable upfront, right? You can do the research, you can know the figures, and you can kind of know what you're getting into when it comes to some of those hard costs. But on the other hand, these soft secondary costs that we're going to talk about, Matt, they're costs where you're likely going to feel pressured to pay because they fit and complement that primary purchase. So these are ones that you might not see. You can't necessarily quantify up front unless you're really, really thoughtful. And an example of that would be if you get a new laptop. Oh, well, guess what? I need a new backpack to carry that laptop around in. And then you are like, well, you know what? I'm wearing this cool backpack. Well, I need a jacket to match or whatever it is, right? <laughs> and it's like that if you give a mouse a cookie syndrome where those are kind of what these soft secondary costs are. That's what we're calling them. And so if it's a purchase that you make that then forces you to feel like you need to upgrade something else in your life. And that's one of those soft secondary costs that's a little harder to quantify up front. But we're going to kind of go through some ways to help you figure out what those could be and how to decrease or maybe eliminate them even in your life. That's right, man. It's crazy, right? It's a little bit like lifestyle creep. It's kind of funny hearing you talk about the example with like the laptop with the bag and then the jacket. But it's almost like anytime something touches something else, it's like it gets infected with looking old, <laughs> right? Because you have something like new and shiny. And then in relation to the old stuff, you think it really would be nice if that was kind of upgraded as well. And then before you know it, where do you stop? Like, when do you stop? Where do you draw the line? And I think what's important to keep in mind, though, is that you can draw that line you can decide that these are expenses that I'm not going to participate in and that you have control over. And that's the biggest difference between a hard secondary cost 
versus the soft or lifestyle secondary cost is that the soft secondary lifestyle costs, you just have control over, you have options. But either way, it's, yeah, like you said, it's good to be aware of those and to know what steps you can take to, to keep the expenses down. Yeah. And I think all of us have experienced both ends of these, right? We've experienced buying something and we didn't realize, or we didn't factor in those hard secondary costs. We made the purchase or we made the leap into something and we didn't even take into consideration those costs that were inevitable. And we bore the brunt of them after we made the decision. And maybe for some of us, we had to put that on a credit card or... Yeah, like you with gasoline. You're like, oh man, this car takes gas? Oh, yeah, bummer. I totally <laughs> forgot. Except I drive an electric car. So joke's on you. <laughs> but yeah, there's a, a, we've all been in that situation. And also in regards to the soft or lifestyle secondary costs, someone who is considering, let's say, a bathroom renovation. Well, I want to retile the floors and put in a new toilet. Well, then you want a new tub because... That tub looks old and nasty. Exactly. <laughs> and then maybe a new vanity. And you know what? Oh, if the bathroom's going to look this good, I think I needed to redo the kitchen at the same time. And so we've all experienced this in our lives to one extent or another. And it's just good to be aware of as we go into making purchases. It can help us to know when to say no to things. And when things are out of our budget, out of our range... It gives us a better perspective and allows us to go into purchases with a little more like wisdom and knowledge behind us. And Joel, we've been talking a lot lately about spending and consumption. And you know, a huge reason that Americans today are having issues with saving enough for retirement comes down to their spending. It's not that they're not making enough. More of it has to do with the fact that folks aren't investing and using that money that they've earned wisely. And that has led to a lot of people feeling insecure about their futures. And so right after the break, we're going to talk about why these secondary costs are so important. And then we'll also give some examples, uh, some specific real life examples that will help you to see the difference between these two types of secondary spendings and just how being aware of these things can help you rein in your spending. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? 
Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, Matt, back from the break. And let's talk about why these secondary costs are so important. And it's because there's this major problem in America. Four out of five Americans are worried that they don't have enough in retirement, right? They are spending too much. And I got to tell you, as we've been combing through this topic, doing research for the show, Matt, I got to believe that much of this is because of poorly thought out purchases, right? And those poorly thought out purchases lead to these outrageous secondary costs, hard ones or lifestyle ones, either way. But they lead to those secondary costs for people that weren't factored in. And it leads to living a lifestyle where you're living month to month, paycheck to paycheck, and you can't get ahead. So I feel like that's the problem that we're trying to address in this episode. That's a very good sort of big picture as to why this is a problem. And then diving down to more of the specifics, right? Deciding whether something is a solid purchase, right? Can really only be made when you consider these costs before taking that plunge. And so if you jump into a purchase before crunching the numbers and realistically considering the complete financial picture, you could easily sink your budget. You need to do your homework. Like This is just part of the due diligence period of making a purchase. You don't want to necessarily have, what's it called, uh, an analysis paralysis, <laughs> where you don't make a decision because you're so stuck on the numbers and you're so stuck on optimizing it and making it perfect that it keeps you from any action at all. But you have to do your homework. You have to take the steps necessary in order to make sure that you're setting yourself up for the future. 
Yeah, Matt, I love what you just said there, due diligence. I feel like that is a great kind of way to think about the secondary costs of a major purchase or even a minor purchase that you're just about to make. Due diligence when it comes to buying a house is that seven or 10 day or whatever you negotiate, really. It's that period that you have after you're under contract on a house, but you're not obligated to buy it. You know you want to, but you don't have to. (laughs) Exactly. And so that period of time gives you the ability to walk through there, decide whether you're into it, get an inspection, all that stuff. That due diligence period is crucial. And so many people back out of that purchase during due diligence. Yeah. Right. And so I think due diligence is, is probably the right phrase to use when we're talking about secondary costs of purchases we make. Doing that due diligence taking that time period to factor in and to look at those secondary costs. And then whether your purchase is a wise one or not, whether you can afford it or you can't, or whether it's worth it to you or it isn't. Like that due diligence period is going to tell you, you know, whether that purchase with its associated secondary costs is right for you. Let's give examples of some of the hard secondary costs when it comes to buying a house. That'll kind of help put it into perspective. It's not just the hundred and fifty or $250,000 price tag that's associated with the home. For most people, when you buy a home, there are many other hard costs associated with owning that, right? So in particular, you need to figure in closing costs, getting that home inspection, which can be $400 or more, potential repairs on the home that you'll need to make immediately and over time, insurance. The list just goes on and on and on of the hard costs that you're going to pay when you buy a home. You're going to have taxes annually on that home. The hard costs that are associated with a home purchase are real, they are lengthy, and they are necessary when you're considering whether you can afford that home purchase or not. And then in addition to those hard costs, man, there's the lifestyle or soft secondary costs. And these are things like furniture, right? You get that big empty house and you've got all these extra rooms that you're so happy to have. And the first thing that most people do is they start buying furniture. Exactly. And then that's honestly been one of the biggest problems, Matt, is as home sizes have grown in America, they've pretty much doubled in the last 30 years. Certainly the primary costs of more building material, of higher mortgage costs, right? Those factor in. But it's those secondary costs that really sink people so much of the time that they just didn't factor in. And a lot of it is these lifestyle secondary costs. It's this furniture to fill the 10 rooms in your house versus the four rooms you would have had in something smaller. Yeah, man. And what's so crazy about something like furniture, right, is that this isn't a hard cost where it's it's one and done. Like this is something that can change over time and that can change with your taste. Who knows how much you could actually spend on furniture over the lifetime of a specific house because you could change your mind every... I mean, you could change your mind every month, right? That might be crazy, (laughs) but you could. And so that's what's so difficult about these soft secondary costs or these lifestyle costs is that it's kind of up to you as a consumer And as we know, advertising and the way that fashion and just different needs, air quote, needs are marketed to us, uh, we feel convinced that we do need something different. We do need something that's fresher or a little slicker or something that's a little more shiny. And that's what's so tricky, right? Like that's the slippery slope of these lifestyle choices is that you have to keep yourself in check. And for most folks, it's not something that once you buy once, you're done. Like when you buy a couch, most folks aren't thinking, cool, I'm done with buying couches for the rest of my life. They know that they'll probably get a new one or a different one, maybe in 10 years or five or even like two or three years, which is crazy in my book. Yeah, Matt, when you put into perspective the overall costs that you're going to bear when you buy a house, 
it completely changes the equation, right? And we've talked about in multiple episodes, we've talked about you know renting a house versus buying. We've talked about why your house, a primary house is a bad investment. And some of these secondary costs are the exact reason why a primary home is not always a good investment. And it's because you overspend. And it's the secondary costs that really turn that home purchase from something that might be okay into something that's terrible for your wallet. And honestly, like we touched on our home renovation earlier in the show, and that's something that Kate and I, that we've struggled with. You start making improvements on your house and you start, like you said, like the examples you gave, those are pretty close to home (laughs) because they're happening in our home right now. Bam. But yeah, you start making improvements and you have to make the decision, where are we going to draw the line? Because you think, okay, we've got this wall open. Why, Why not go ahead and make this improvement? Or let's go ahead and insulate this. Because you can justify it. You can say, oh, well, this is for energy savings. Oh, this is something that is going to, in the long term, it's going to save us money. But eventually, you're going to run out of money. And you're going to have to say no. Or you're not going to run out of money. And you you just need to say no, right? You have to decide, this is enough. We're happy with this. It doesn't matter that this isn't quite as nice. It's going to be fine. And the same thing, I think, applies too to our rental properties, man. You and I both have rental properties. We have investment properties. And time to time, things need to be replaced or upgraded because it's just old and nasty. And you have to make those decisions of where are you going to draw the line? Because you, like you said, you, you replace one item, say in the bathroom, and you think, okay, that's going to look terrible if we leave it like that. Let's just go ahead and revamp the whole bathroom. Well, then you got like a, a really nice bathroom, but the kitchen looks kind of rough, like you said. And so it's not necessarily only with consumption, but it can also be with uh, what most folks would consider an, an investment. Where is a smart line to draw? And honestly, like that's the toughest question. And that's why it comes down to you as an individual. So yeah, Matt, let's give a few more examples just to kind of flesh this out. Because I feel like these examples really hammer home the reality of these hard secondary costs and the soft secondary costs, which can make a purchase that looks good on the front end, actually a bad one. And so let's take, for instance, going to college. The hard secondary costs of that are taking out loans. And those loans have interest, unless you're this super uber smart person and you got mad mega scholarships or whatever it is, which is awesome. Most people in America, I mean, obviously we all know the student loan debt crisis in America, $1.5 trillion in student loan debt. It's just out of this world, right? It's crazy. And it's ruined the lives of many, many people. You have to factor in as you are going off to college, as your kids are going off to college, those hard costs the loans and interest and what that's going to do to you over the long haul. And you have to compare it to the usefulness of that college degree for you over the long haul, especially in a changing economy where requirements of individuals in the workforce are changing almost daily, not just every decade, right? But but almost daily, the, the requirements uh, for young people coming to the workforce is changing. So if you have a college degree that you think today is going to be useful for the next 30 years... I mean, there's a small chance that you're right, but there's a big chance that you're wrong and that those costs that you incurred actually aren't going to pay off in the way that you thought they were. Yeah, man. And even room and board, like if you're going off to college, it costs some money to survive. It costs some money to have a place to sleep and to live. And you got to feed yourself even in college. (laughs) But yeah, those are some of the hard uh, secondary costs associated with college. And so some of the lifestyle secondary costs, man, associated with college are what sort of revolve around the experience, what people think of when they go off to college and they want to have this sort of best four years of their life. 
You're talking uh, about keggers, right? <laughs> yeah, keggers. I mean, <laughs> like literally partying, but folks oftentimes will say instead traveling abroad <laughs> or spring break. But all that sort of plays into the American mentality of like the college experience. Yeah, and even going out to eat with friends, like it doesn't have to be something that, where it's this huge big ticket item, but just the sort of daily lifestyle thing, this aspect that people associate with college. Yeah, or going on a spring break trip with your friends, right? Those are the kind of things that come up when you're in college that are these lifestyle secondary costs, right? That you're going to incur if you can't keep it under control, right? And and, and like we said at the beginning of the, of the show, some of these are controllable. Some of these are under your control. You can decide to back up hit the brakes on that spring break trip. And with that control, you're able to save yourself some money, right? You could say no to eating out, even though all your friends are doing it. We're just saying, think about these things. Think about these costs that are likely to occur because saying no in the moment can be really hard because there are ways, especially with these lifestyle secondary costs to actually cut down on those expenses. But just be aware that they are likely to, at minimum, tempt you to spend money on those things that other people around you are spending money on. Uh, just know that some of those hard secondary costs are immovable when you make that choice. And then some of those lifestyle secondary costs, they're either likely that you're going to make that choice or it's going to take some resolve in order to make sure that you don't incur those costs. Yeah, that's right. At the very least, it's going to be very tempting to also want to go on that trip. Yeah. <laughs> and so another example, let's talk about cars or transportation. And so it's not just the cost of the car, right? There are a lot of hard secondary costs associated with vehicles. Things like gas or insurance and repairs, right? These are all things that you know in your head mentally that these are things I'm going to have to pay, but it's not until you actually go to the mechanic and you get that bill or you start receiving that insurance bill. The rubber hits the road. <laughs> exactly. You're going to have to get new tires. This is when you're going to realize how much uh, owning a vehicle, owning a car is actually going to cost you. Yeah, the full amount of that original expense, right? And so if you buy a new car for $30,000 or a used car for $5,000, there are secondary costs that are immovable yeah. to a large extent, right? Uh, and knowing that before you make the plunge is huge. So for instance, in our state, Matt, when you buy a used car or a new car, you pay, all the, you pay the sales tax oh, yeah. up front day one, right? <laughs> Well, and dude, and specific to Georgia, you don't even have to have purchased the vehicle. Even if you bring that vehicle from out of state into our state, you have to pay that tax. I know. I feel so... It is insane. I feel so bad for anyone <laughs> moving from another state, having bought a new car recently and having potentially paid sales tax in their home state, moving yeah. here and then paying yeah. it again. Honestly, it's highway robbery. It's, D it's not right. Did I tell you about my buddy Cal that moved from New York? No. He's got a great job, makes makes a good amount of money, but he had recently purchased a Beamer, a fancy, you know, fancy BMW. Ouch. Yeah. And it was only a couple of years old and he moved back to Atlanta and dude, he got hit with like a five, over $5,000 bill, not because he purchased it, but because he is registering and transferring that vehicle to the state of Georgia that he got nailed with that. It's like, welcome to Georgia, dude. Yeah. <laughs> pay up. <laughs> yeah, it's not right. Yeah, it's rough. But those are the kind of costs, right? So if I know that ahead of time, I can factor in, well, you know what? If I buy a $30,000 car, I'm going to be hit with a multi-thousand dollar tax bill. If I buy a $4,000 car, I'll be hit with a multi-hundred dollar tax bill. And that's a big difference, right? Yeah. When we're factoring in those secondary costs, it massively influences the decision that we make on that primary purchase, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> and so it, directly in a car or a home, those secondary costs should have a major overriding influence, I would say, 
uh, on whether we make the primary purchase to begin with or whether we choose to make do with what we have or opt for something maybe a little less fancy. You know, this actually makes me think of when you're purchasing a home and if you're actually, well, if you're not paying cash, if you're getting a loan, which is, I guess, 99% of people out there and you get that. Actually, actually, I think it's only 70. Isn't that crazy? Wait, what? For real? 30% of people pay cash for houses. Oh, that's baller. That's <laughs> or, or not pay cash for houses, but own their homes at least in full. Oh, okay. Gotcha, so, gotcha. But that would be interesting to know how what oh, percentage yeah. people pay cash for houses. That's fascinating. I'm curious. But either, either way, the truth and lending statement, you know what I'm talking about? The truth and lending yeah, disclosure those, statement? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's got the chart and it's broken down by, say you're getting a 30-year mortgage. And it's got you know the year that you're currently living in all the way out 30 years. And it has the, the tally of the full amount that you're actually paying in interest. That way you actually know how much it's costing you to finance that house and to, to go ahead and get a mortgage on it. It's like we need that, <laughs> but on everything in our life. Dishwasher, truth and lending statement. Well, <laughs> except that you're not getting a loan on your dishwasher. Well, Ho- hopefully. And to be honest, we actually have like some of those things in some regards, right? We got like, like the energy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. That's what I was thinking. The energy <laughs> smart stu- stickers on like a TV or a washing machine, or let's say on a credit card statement. There's a law that required credit card companies to put on their your statement. You know how long it would take you to pay off your credit card bill if you were only to pay the minimum every month. Exactly. Right? And that's just so helpful for a consumer to see. Because it's freaky enough to see the balance and the interest rate. But when you know that if you only pay the minimums, you're going to be paying for 37 more years. That's I mean, insane. Yeah, <laughs> that, that'll light a fire under you, right? But back to a car, Matt. Yeah, like the biggest cost actually that people don't factor in at all is depreciation, especially if you're buying new, right? That tax bill can be hard to handle. It can be many thousands of dollars in lots of states in one lump sum. But on top of that, man, your depreciation costs are out of this world. And your car driving it off the lot is worth 20% less than the day you bought it. And a few years in is worth 50% less. So make sure you factor that in. Being someone that factors in secondary costs into the equation is being the opposite of a payment buyer. A payment buyer is what you don't want to be. Right. You want to yep. be the, the buyer that is being a smart purchase. And that includes factoring in all those secondary costs. Yeah, man. But then even on top of that, there are the lifestyle secondary costs. And I mean, it kind of sounds silly to say, but just like car accessories, anything from like tinting your windows to like getting a trailer hitch. Or those spinny rims like you got on your van. <laughs> they look amazing though. Dude. So my friend Steve totally had like the uh, fake hubcap spinners. <laughs> <laughs> he'd, <laughs> they, watch, he'd watch too much Pick My Ride on MTV. Oh gosh. What was his name? Exhibit. Exhibit. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Exhibit. No, he really did watch that show and he <laughs> went to AutoZone and bought the, the plastic rims, slapped them on his red 97 caravan and it was pretty awesome. Oh, that's a good look. I will say that the, an even better look though was the fact that he had to tie his spinners down because when he got above like 60 miles per hour, they would like vibrate and make, make this loud <laughs> racket and he was afraid they were going to fall off. <laughs> <laughs> so he took some string and he would, he t- I mean, no joke. He tied his spinners to themselves so that they wouldn't spin. sounds like there were some <laughs> secondary costs to Steve's <laughs> reputation <laughs> while doing this as well. And so those are silly sort of lifestyle choices, but even up to feeling like you have to now have a garage because you've got a new vehicle. Dude, I'm going to admit that this is something that I personally felt somewhat of a temptation to, to do, not to necessarily get a garage, but to want to keep my new vehicle clean. So Kate and I bought a somewhat late model Honda recently, and we just wanted that thing to look good. You know, we dropped all this money on it, and I felt that you know what, we're gonna have the nice newer vehicle. I want to make sure it looks good, and because of that, I was taking it to the car wash, like the five dollar car wash where you just zip through it real quick, and it's so fast and easy, and I don't have to do anything. <laughs> 
But I was spending more money because I thought, okay, I've got a new vehicle. I've got to keep it clean. I didn't have to keep it clean. That was just for me. That was my ego. I wanted to have a, a shiny ride. And so as silly as it is to say, like, that's just something I did. I, I was falling into that trap. And part of me did think, man, this is, this is why people do have garages because they don't want the tree sap falling on their, on their nice vehicle that they just spent money on. And fact is, though, it doesn't matter because like you said, it drops 50% in the first five years of owning a new vehicle. And so it's not an investment. This is pure consumption. And these lifestyle secondary costs are, are nothing but consumption. Matt, I feel like the perfect example of kind of like what we were just talking about, how you have actually a lot of control over these costs is the example of expensive hobbies. So for example, golf. Golf can become either a ridiculously expensive hobby or it can be a relatively cheap one. You can travel all over the world to play the finest golf courses, pay enormous greens fees, pay for a caddy, pay for lodging while you're there, all those things, fancy clubs, new cleats, pants, all the works, right? Or you can be the guy that goes to the par three course, three miles down the road, plays once a week. The greens fees are $11. There's such a range of options in there when you're talking about a hobby. We've talked about before on the show that I love to play disc golf. You love to play disc golf. We play together, you know, rarely because we don't have that much time. (laughs) But when we do, it's amazing. And there's almost no cost, right? Courses are free. You need one, maybe two discs to get started. And those are pretty cheap. Yeah, I've got three, but I only use two. Yeah, (laughs) I've got like eight and I only use two. (laughs) So, but so many of these hobbies that you could potentially devote a lot of time and energy to, well, the actual cost that you'll incur depends on you and not the hobby itself. Yeah, that makes me think of like college football specifically. And you can be a college football fan and it can cost you pretty much nothing, right? You can just read the articles online, keep up with what's going on. And then you could pick up a six pack and then take it over to your friend's house who has cable. He or she is stoked that you brought over some beer this time. <laughs> Don't be the cheap guy. And, <laughs> and then boom, you're enjoying the game. You're hanging out with your friends. It's cost you virtually nothing, right? Like that's one end of the spectrum. Or you can be on the other end of the spectrum, right? Where you are forced to make these mandatory contributions to your school because they happen to have an awesome football program. And that gives you the option to then buy football tickets, right? Like the season tickets, which cost thousands of dollars. Sounds like a racket to me. Dude, it is a racket. And then on top of that, parking. And then the parking passes cost thousands of dollars. And and then on top of that, we were just talking about cars. Like a lot of people buy vehicles specifically for tailgating. Like how many car commercials do you hear where they talk about tailgating? Or oh, that's the scene, right? There's some guys and they've got a pickup truck or the SUV and they're in the parking lot at a major stadium. Yeah, a major stadium or, or, or a college football stadium. Either way, there are just so many expenses that can go towards an interest or a hobby like that, but it doesn't have to. It comes down to you. There's a reason why personal finance is personal. It depends on what you see as being a priority in your life. And we are here just to say, be aware of these expenses. Be aware of yourself because you know what? If you're not going to be able to resist not getting the parking pass because you want to be able to hang out with your friends and and throw that awesome tailgate... Just know that it's going to cost you another three grand for that parking pass in addition to the tickets, right? Yeah, Matt. It kind of makes me think, I think recently on an episode, I mentioned how if I kind of came into some money, I might consider buying another bike. And yeah, right now where I'm at, I totally would not buy another bike. But I'm viewing my bike in a super utilitarian way right now. And I actually calculate how much my bike is saving me over using the car. So I'm thinking about it actually as not just a purchase that is for fun, but as something that can save me money over Mm -hmm. the long haul. But if I was thinking about it in a different mindset, 
in this kind of like the I want this mindset. Yeah. yeah. The I'm a huge football fan. How much money can I spend on this mindset? Yeah. <laughs> right. Then I would have four or five different bikes and I would be getting them maintained regularly by a local bike shop where it costs money. Right. And instead of like do it yourself, little tweaks and fixes, there, it's just a different mindset that goes into play when you're making a purchase like that. And so whether you're a college football fan or fan of golf or disc golf, whatever it is that you're into, there are ways to pursue that passion. You know, keeping those secondary costs in mind at the forefront of the decisions you make and how you pursue that passion. Yeah, that's right. You don't have to get the whole kit and caboodle to enjoy something that you have a passion for. Honestly, this makes me think of photography because for a lot of people, a lot of folks enjoy photography and they get a camera. And so a hard cost for photography might be the camera because you got to have a camera if you are into taking pictures, right? But then there's all these lifestyle secondary costs associated with it that people kind of get roped into, especially with photography. Because a lot of times if you're into photography, you're into the gear. And so you get the bag to protect the camera and you get the lens, the flashes. I know all this from experience. (laughs) But if you're doing it as a hobby, right? If you're doing it just as something that you're interested in, you can enjoy photography on the cheap by just sticking with some of the basic stuff. Or you can go freaking crazy and get all the stuff. And before you know it, you've got like $10,000, $20,000 in glass alone. And that's photography speak for lenses, right? Because, <laughs> But it's called glass because that's what you're paying for. Like it's just expensive, expensive glass. And a lot of times it's so silly. And even photographers that do it professionally, man, they get caught up in this sort of gear mentality and, and just collecting. And they just want to have everything match and for everything to all be the same. And it's not about function. It's not about the utility that it provides. It's, it's more about emotions and what they feel they need. And so being aware of that, again, is something that is important because it does not cost a lot of money to be into photography. It costs a lot of money to collect photography gear. <laughs> yeah, that's a big difference. So after the break, there's just a few steps, a few simple steps that people can take in order to make a wise choice when they're making a purchase so that secondary costs don't sink that purchase and make it a dumb one. We'll talk about that in just a second. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, 
If you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs. And it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Let's get to some uh, helpful and specific tips. These are going to be the things to remember when you're making these different purchases or some of these financial decisions. Joel, why don't you kick it off? Yeah. So Matt, I think the first thing to do is to have a little brainstorm session, right? You'll want to try to come up with as extensive of a list as you can of what cost you might incur based on that new purchase or decision. So home, car, right? Like some of those things are straightforward. Some of those things aren't straightforward. The Hard secondary costs are pretty straightforward when it comes to taxes on a $250,000 house versus a $150,000 house. Before the purchase, you have control over both the hard and the soft secondary costs. Uh, Once you make the purchase, right, those hard costs are baked in. You can't really change them. So brainstorming and knowing what they are ahead of time will help you make an informed decision so that you don't take on more than you can handle. That's right, man. That's like the research and information gathering step, right? Yeah, exactly. That's right, man. And so after you've gathered that information, the next step that you want to take is to 
evaluate yourself. You need to ask yourself, will I be able to say no to these secondary lifestyle costs that are associated with the initial purchase, with the primary purchase? And what's helpful, I think too, man, is we've recently talked about talking with your friends about money and we talked about the impact that your friends have on you when it comes to expenses and spending because it's natural that you want to hang out with your friends, right? You want to be in community. You want to feel like you're known. And so you're naturally going to spend the same amount that they spend. And so if you know all of your friends, when they become uh, SEC football fans, you know what that means to them, right? (laughs) You know whether they go overboard or whether they're super chill about it. Yeah, exactly. And so are you willing to say, no, sorry, I'm going to just show up for a couple games I keep saying football, right? I keep saying college football. We mean football. That's what yeah. we mean, right? <laughs> we mean European football because <laughs> uh, we're Atlanta United fans. And so, and even with us, man, it's a temptation. That's a question I ask myself. And so for Kate and I, that was a tough discussion. And we talked about this on the couples and money episode where we had our wives on. But again, just know, know yourself, know your friends, and just be aware of the temptations and just be prepared. Yeah, so you really do have to kind of know yourself and your tendencies and whether if you make the primary purchase, you will be able to restrain yourself on those secondary costs. And then you need to do a cost-benefit analysis. I think it's really important, right? Will this purchase with all the primary costs and then all the secondary associated costs return what I'm looking for, what I want? Something as simple as additional sales tax on a purchase of a television or as large as an interest rate on a home or student loan can help you make the decision to buy it, to go to school, right? Or to not do that. College is great. But if you have to pay 18% interest on a student loan, like purely hypothetical, right? There's a much smaller chance that you're going to go to school. And in the same way, for instance, recently on a TV mat, it was Black Friday and there was this great deal. I've had the same TV for 12 years. I thought, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to get a new TV. I saw the price. It was great. I factored in sales tax and just maybe it means I'm cheap. I don't know. We talked about frugal (laughs) versus cheap, but in my mind, it just didn't move the needle enough for me after sales tax to make the purchase. So I declined and I said, I'm going to stick with my TV for another year. And so a cost benefit analysis can just really help hammer home whether a purchase or a decision is worth it or not. And whether the benefit you're going to receive is equivalent to the outgoing costs associated with that move. And then finally, once you have all that information, once you've gathered that information, and then once you've sort of analyzed, what kind of benefit is this going to bring to me? Is it going to be worth the cost? Once you have all the information together, you need to act on that information. You do not need to sweep that sort of under the rug just because you want to emotionally make a purchase that you know you shouldn't. Yeah. And that's the great thing about this, Matt, I think is having numbers, having this process, right? So that you can't just emotionally sweep something under the rug in order to make the decision that you want to in your heart. These steps kind of help quantify it so that you're not doing that. That's right. Knowledge is power, right? And having that information will help you to make a better decision. You don't need to be sticking your head in the sand and just ignoring all that's around you just because you want to do what you want to do. Having that information helps you to make an informed decision. All right, Joel, let's go ahead and get back to the beer. This is Pretty Willie's Imperial Stouts, and this is by Against the Grain. Yeah, so this is part of their Stave It for Later series. You want to explain what staves are? So staves are the wooden pieces in a barrel that's made. So like the individual wooden slats that come together to form an entire barrel. And so this is a barrel-aged Imperial Stout that the brewery wants people to age for a certain period of time. And so I got this beer over a year ago from 
my awesome real estate agent and our mutual friend, Matt Helen, both of our real estate agent. Yeah, actually, I was going to say, so in my story earlier, where we met, it's coming full circle, man. It's Wasn't coming... it her house? Yes. Yeah. Her... Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Helen and Lee invited both uh, you and Emily and me and Kate over to their house and we, play, we played nerdy board games and little did you know that that was going to be the beginning of How to Money. <laughs> <laughs> Of a beautiful friendship. Oh, that's of a awesome. Fun podcast. Yeah. And an amazing real estate agent, uh, Helen. And so she's super sweet. She knows, you know, our love for craft beer, my love for craft beer. And she gave me this fantastic bottle of beer as a closing present. And I have let it age for over a year because that's the intent behind this beer. And so we're drinking it now, excited to finally have Pretty Willie's Imperial Stout. And Matt, both of us, right at the beginning of the show, we each gave kind of one word to describe the beer. And this is a big beer, 13%. It's a huge stout. Yeah, I'm feeling it for sure. And I'm not even done with mine. So, The word I used to describe it was roasty. Yeah, you said roasty. And honestly, now that I've had a little more, I don't think that's like the best word. I don't think it's the best word to begin with. I felt like an idiot saying it, <laughs> but I said it. <laughs> no, so, that was a good word. So it's, But I bet you're wishing you would have said jacket. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not wishing that. Definitely not feeling that even at this point in time. But please tell us why you said jacket. Well, I mean, I said jacket because as soon as I drank it, I felt like the texture of the beer before I tasted it. And it just felt like it was wrapping my tongue in like this nice winter coat full of like boozy warmth. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like when you have a bigger beer like this, you can kind of feel the booze on your tongue before you actually even taste it with your, I don't know, your taste buds. And so for me, it was more of a texture thing because it's a imperial stout. So it's a little bit thicker and it's got all the roasted and malty chocolatey flavors in it. Which is funny because I think Right after I said roasty, like an idiot, the next word that came to my mind was warming. Yeah. Because it truly does. It's bourbon barrel aged. It has a nice bourbon flavor going on. And it almost warms you like on a cold day when you have a sip of scotch or bourbon. It almost kind of warms your insides just a little bit. Sort of like you're wearing a jacket. Sort of like a jacket. Touche. You win this one, (laughs) sir. (laughs) You win this battle, but you will not win the war. I guess jacket makes a little more sense now. Um, <laughs> awkwardly so. But yeah, this was a delicious beer. And we always mention untapped. On there, though, you can kind of rank and rate the beers that you uh, get to enjoy. And for us, it's a great way to keep up with the different beers that we've had. Yeah. And so out of five stars, Joel, what would you give this beer? The great thing about untapped, too, is that I feel like I can research beers to see what other people rank them before I make a purchase. And uh, so you got pulled up. Don't tell me. Don't tell. Well, let me rank mine. Let me rank it first. Okay. Okay, for me, this is a great Imperial Stout. I think I might, dude, I would even give this a solid four and a half stars. Yeah, for me, it's a four and a quarter. Oh, is it? Solid four and a quarter. It's a really good beer. It's solid, dude. I really like it. But there's nothing that stands out to make it epic. But truly refined, very nice. Glad I laid it down. Glad we got to drink this together. Nice four and a quarter. And the average untapped rating, 4.28. Oh, perfect. We're right on the money. All right, enough about the beer, Joel. It's time now for some final thoughts. Kick it off. All right, Matt. So just a reminder to everyone, there are secondary costs involved with almost any purchase or decision that you make in life. And it is important to consider both the hard secondary costs that are immovable, that are there no matter what, once you make that purchase or decision, and also the soft or lifestyle secondary costs that follow a purchase or decision that you make. These costs fall outside of the original purchase amount, Right, And they can turn what seems like a good purchase on the front end into one that does not work well for you or your budget. 
That's right, man. And the process of, of the things that you want to remember when you're making these purchases or financial decisions. First of all, brainstorm. You want to come up with a list of all the different costs, all the different secondary costs associated with that purchase. Next, you need to know yourself. How are you going to respond to the soft or lifestyle secondary costs associated with that? Will you be able to say no when you feel those cultural pressures to get the next piece that matches whatever it is that you just got? Next, you want to do uh, an analysis. You know, will the purchased item bring the joy, bring the benefit and the utility that you're expecting it to bring in your life? And then lastly, you need to take all that information and you need to take action on what you've learned and what you've gathered. You don't want to sweep it under the rug. You don't want to stick your head in the sand. You want to take the next steps to either make that purchase or to not make that purchase based on what you've decided. So everyone, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the podcast. Be sure to check out our website, howtomoney.com up there. As always, we will have some show notes with some additional links and some more information that we discussed in this episode. Yeah, if you like what you hear, let us know. In particular, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the show. We'd really appreciate it. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button while you're there. All right, buddy. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out, man. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited time 11 month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus, it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org/slash CV for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.